What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Financial Residency Podcast. We are off on a different day. This is not a Monday or a Friday show. And that is because we had a $900 billion stimulus bill that was signed essentially overnight on Sunday. On Tuesday, we ended up doing a Facebook Live with John McCarthy from Physician Tax Advisors, uh, my co-founder there and CPA, longtime CPA and good friend of mine. And we went through Uh, really the stimulus bill. And for those of you that are not in our community, I highly suggest you jump in because we do random things like this as events unfold. Uh, You can join us at financialresidency.com slash community. But I wanted to really just push this out. We're stripping the audio. We're going to take it from the community. We're going to put it on the podcast here uh, so you guys can all hear it because this is a big deal. There's a lot of changes happening. It was a massive, massive bill uh, that went through. So without further ado, let's jump in and uh, welcome John McCarthy back from Physician Tax Advisors back on the show. We are now live on Facebook. So hello, everyone. We're doing an impromptu, quick and dirty on the stimulus package. I feel like that's what they kind of did to all of us passing it like on a super late Sunday night. At least they telegraphed that a little bit. But for those of you that don't know, I'm Ryan Inman. I run the Physician Finance Group. I'm a founder at Physician Wall Services and a co-founder at Physician Tax Advisors. And I have one of our other co-founders at Physician Tax Advisors, John McCarthy on. So John, thanks for popping on the Facebook Live and going through this with us. Thanks for having me. I always like to talk about taxes and we've got lots of new tax, fun and exciting things to talk about today. So Says nobody but the CPA. <laughs> I love it. So what we're doing here is we're just going to go through the stimulus bill and just get an update high level. John, I'll probably go a little bit deeper than high level because that's what CPAs do. But I think this is going to be everything that all of you are going to really want to hear about when it comes to that stimulus bill because how many pages was it, John? Well, I know you printed this out. You may not have counted all the pages last night, Ryan. 40 trees apparently, right? Yeah, it was was over 5,500 pages a bill. Now that's a little bit, uh, uh, it, it a, a little bit egregious, but it's actually a combination of a budget bill as well as a tax bill. So we'll let it slide a little bit this way. It's not actually 5,500 pages of just tax stuff, but there is a lot of tax stuff in there. After I got through page one, it felt like 5,500 pages of tax bills. So, all right, well, let's jump in right here and just kind of give the, the quick and dirty on this. What is inside this massive stimulus package? Hmm. Yeah, so we'll talk about a couple things up front that I think will be of interest to a lot of the listeners um, and some of the bigger ticket items, frankly. And then there's actually a laundry list of other uh, smaller things that we can go over here towards the end. But I mean, at 5,000 pages, there's probably a very long laundry list. How about let's keep this to like 20 minutes? I think we can do that. I think we can do that. All right. So one of the the first ones, you know, up for discussion. uh, So we've got another round of economic stimulus payments. So listeners may remember, we went through this back in March. You got some either debit cards in the mail or some direct deposits to your account. And we've got another round of those. So this time around, it's going to be $600 per person in the family. So if you've got four kids like me, so 600 for me, 600 for my wife, 600 for each of the, the four kids, not a bad number, depending on how many children you've got. This one is once again limited based on income as well. So we had the same issue in the earlier stimulus rounds. 75000 single, 150000 married filing joint is the start of the phase out. And then it phases out for $5 for every $100 of additional income. So 
If it's just you, a single person, you're going to phase out around $87,000, somewhere around there, I think, if my math is correct. But it varies depending on your family size. Of course, they got to throw in, it's not complicated math. It's just annoying. Like, it's just annoying math. But I get the phase out if you're close, whatever. And was that similar to round one, if you say, mm -hmm. where we all were sent, quote unquote, sent the $1,200 checks that are supposed to last 38 weeks or whatever it's been? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's about the same limit in phase out. Yeah, it's about the, the same limitations, essentially, just a little bit different. Uh, instead of $500 per child we had originally, we're getting 600 for everybody this time around. So a little bit different calculation, but essentially the same. Yeah. So for those families that are brand new attendings or residents or med students, there's quite a large amount of money that's probably coming to you. At least something is coming to you. For the let's say more established attendings or those just making 150,000 or more. Was there anything coming to them? Is there any stimulus? Is there any type of uh, lifeline, if you will, that's been tossed to them? Yeah, once we're out of the phase out, essentially, if you're just a W-2 physician, if you're not a small business owner, there's not a whole lot in here for you, at least in this particular area. So they're basically saying, hey, you're wealthy after 150K of, <laughs> got it, okay. Yep. Now there's the small business piece, which we had done a little bit on the PPP loans. And we applied for one at Physician Well Services. It made sense. It was honestly easy money and we have employees. So why not take advantage of the pieces that they're putting out? But what have they done? I'm like terrified that uh, we talked about it a little <laughs> bit, but let's go in the nitty gritty a little bit on the PPP loans that a lot of maybe these practices had taken out. Yeah. So let's talk about this in two phases. So we had our original PPP program that we kicked off in March with. So we'll call that PPP one. And then we'll also talk about what is now going to be PPP round two for new applicants. So the good news for anyone that took out the PPP loan earlier in the year, we now have final guidance from Congress that the deductions that you used in order to apply for forgiveness on these loans or the deductions you will use to apply for forgiveness if you haven't done it yet are allowed to be deducted for tax purposes. Believe it or not, this was a question that we've had for the last nine months now. The IRS came out and said, nope, we're not going to allow you to have those as deductions. Congress was rather irritated because that was not their intent. They have finally fixed that now with this new legislation, which is good news. So we've got some certainty in that area. Yeah. And so what does that do for a small business now? Yeah. I received this money. Let's just say I got a $10,000 PPP stimulus loan, however you want to phrase it someone hasn't actually applied for forgiveness. What are the, maybe the steps there? And then what is this now that I can deduct this? Like, how does that actually translate into some sort of savings for a small business? Yeah. So the good news is as well on the application for forgiveness, we are now supposed to have a simplified one page forgiveness application. Just like and, our, our taxes are on a postcard, John? Is that how this is working? Something like that, yeah. Except this one actually should be simplified. What we're seeing that looks like the intent here is that, I hate to use the term rubber stamp, but I think that's basically what we're doing here is that loans that were less than $150,000 on those March PPP round one loans should essentially be forgiven with just applying for forgiveness. No additional documentation required basically saying, hey, as long as you had the right intent and there wasn't a, an intent to commit fraud or something, they, they still reserve the right to go after people. They used it to buy a Lamborghini instead of their employees. Aww. But 
a 17 foot commute needs the Lamborghini. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But essentially we are expecting a much streamlined process for loans under $150,000. And are we doing those and helping clients out at physician tax advisors with those right now? Yeah, we can't, we can't assist with those, but with this new, new a rule here. We don't expect that it will be very complicated. I think it's going to be a matter of signing on to your bank saying, yes, I use the loans for approved purposes. Check that box and sign off on it. And I think uh, we're going to be done on those. Got it. And so now translate into the bill that was you know signed Sunday night. What does that deduction really mean for mm -hmm. small practices that, that use that? Yeah. Yeah. So under the existing IRS interpretation before we got this bill signed last night, they were going to say, hey, your $10,000 loan isn't income, but we're not going to let you deduct the $10,000 of wages that we're going to use to ask for forgiveness on it. So it was in a way kind of a stealth tax increase, essentially. So you're going to have $10,000 more of income that you probably planned on. And then whatever your tax rate is, let's just say 30% in this example, that's $3,000 more of tax liability that you probably weren't expecting when you took out the loan. Yeah, we had to basically save for that, not knowing what was going to happen and how that occurred. But I remember even back when it came through and you said, hey, that's kind of dirty. Like, we're going to give you money, but we're going to tax it. Doesn't make sense. But it's nice to know that they at least fixed that piece, if you want to call it being fixed. At least I think it's the intention that was there. And I think the intention was at least justified mm -hmm. and, and fixed here. So yeah. what else do we have? So we've covered PPP potential changes. There's a, a new round of PPP though, mm -hmm. right? Correct. Yeah. They're going to open up what we are, we're going to call PPP round two. The, the number I'm seeing floated around is 25 billion this time around. You may recall that we ran through about 300 or 325 billion, I think in the first round. So it's probably substantially less funds available in this round. Although the rules are perhaps a little bit more restrictive than the first round of funds. So if you remember way back to March, we were basically, as long as we could make a statement that we expected that we might have some financial impact to our business, we were allowed to take out a loan at that point. This one's actually going to be based on a revenue standard. So you're going to have to look at each of your last quarters and compare it to the previous year's quarter and see if you had a 25% reduction in gross receipts in order to qualify for a loan. Got it. That's round two. Is there anything other, any other news from the PPP standpoint that we need to be aware of? Yeah. Um, that, that covers most of the new items there, um, but there's some specifics as you get into specific types of businesses. So they're, they're going to help out some restaurants more than they're going to help out the rest of us. So, you know, read, read up on it if it's something of interest, but I, I think that covers the, the highlights. Do they claim anything specific for airlines? Yeah, that one, I, I don't recall a carve out on that one. There, there may be something in there, but it wasn't my... They always carve out something for airlines because apparently airlines don't know how to have an emergency fund. So, my first uh, read through the 5,500 pages, I didn't pick up on it. It doesn't mean it's not there. Come on, get better at skimming, man. Uh, so, okay, we've covered those that are under the threshold. There's not really much for those over the threshold in terms of the checks that are coming out or debit cards or however they end up ACHing the money. We covered some PPP stuff. What else was in this $900 billion bill? I know there's $20 billion or so for vaccines. And I did read that they are given a bunch of money for HVAC upgrades in, in schools because apparently that's how it spreads. I don't actually understand that piece, but okay. It's probably all the unmasked kids that are running around just 
first guess, but what else was buried inside here that could be applicable to, to the community? Yeah. Yeah, so far, so the two topics we've covered already cover about 480 billion or so of the funds. Um, so we've hit the big ones, but some of the other sizable ones is uh, a increase to unemployment compensation. So we're going to add a $300 onto your state unemployment compensation benefit, and that's going to run through March 14th. So we've got a couple months of additional federal unemployment compensation. So the price tag on that's going to run about $120 billion expected as well. That's just a little chunk of change. Yeah. Well, it's $600 we, million. We're two-thirds of the way through. Yep. We've got another $25 billion for rent aid. So what that's going to do is um, increase the eviction moratorium through the end of January. So that was due to run out here at Christmas time. Congress decided that's probably not a great Christmas gift to people facing eviction. So they uh, bumped that out a month. What that is saying essentially is if you, let's say, owned rental property and you've had tenants that aren't paying, like they're going to potentially get some money to helpfully pay for those, but also you can't evict them, mm -hmm. which morally you don't want to do that. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you can't go belly up on an investment. So I see mm -hmm. the big dilemma that's happening that everyone's facing and hopefully no one's in that situation, although we know millions of people probably are, but... What else do they include in this in this bad boy? Yeah, so now we've got a whole laundry list of some minor items that are, in a lot of cases, more interest to accountants maybe than everyone else. But some of them are, <laughs> yeah, some of them are important. Most of these, there's a few that will impact 2020, but most of these are forward-looking things. But we'll call that out as we walk through these. One change that we did get a permanent change, which is unusual. Um, they are moving the medical itemized deduction floor back down to seven and a half percent. So if you can itemize and if you have a lot of medical expenses, they have to be over seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income to be able to be deductible. And that's that percentage we're talking about here. So it's been 10%, it's been seven and a half percent. They keep moving back and forth, but now we're back at seven and a half percent, supposedly permanently. We'll see how long that lasts. Nothing permanent. You know this. No. Couple things on the the education side. So we are removing an above the line deduction for student tuition. This is primarily for folks that are on the lower income scale that were eligible for it. We're going to adjust the tuition tax credit, which tax credits are actually better than deductions in most cases. So we're moving the income limitation a little bit higher there. You know, it's possible, you know, this might be a wash for most people or a slightly a little bit of a benefit due to the income limitations. So something to watch out for if you get some education expenses. Could like elementary care, child care, kindergarten, whatever, can those qualify for what we're discussing here? I'm just thinking like mm. resident family or fellow family or early career physician that might still not have that pop in income that mm. has obviously child care costs. Would that kind of fall into that piece? Yeah, unfortunately not on the child care side. So here we're talking all college education and beyond on these. One benefit for small business owners, they are allowing employers can transfer up to $5,250 to pay for employees' student loan payments, and that can be done tax-free. So that's a nice benefit. If you're considering a year-end bonus to employees, this would be a nice benefit because instead of this being taxed on their W-2, they can get this tax-free. And is that for 2020 or can this be in 2021? Yeah, this can be in 2020. And going forward as well. Oh, and going forward. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe it's in there for the next five years. We'd have to double check, but I, I think it's in there through 2025. 
So it'll sunset off along with our lower tax rate. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I know there's a thousand things we can go over, but anything else yeah. you maybe have identified for the community that might be of assistance? Was there anything yeah. I've been going back and forth and I honestly haven't dug into the full bill. Was there anything that actually made it in with student debt and student loans? Because I don't think I saw anything when I was skimming through it that actually talked about extending it or forgiveness options or anything. Like it feels like it was just all deleted. Yeah, we didn't see much in here on that. This is the closest we get to that basically in this bill. Got it. So I'm wondering if that's the plan for the next presence that as he makes the transition, that's his like, oh, by the way, 10K like his offer, whatever is forgiveness proposals end up actually being, I feel like every time we see something that's a little different and have no idea what they're going to do because they mm. probably don't know what they're going to do yet. But that's yeah. really unfortunate that we didn't get any clarity around student debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple other real quick things to mention. If you have flexible spending accounts, if the employer allows it, you're going to be able to roll forward amounts from 2020 into 2021. So yeah, flexible spending accounts, keep in mind, those are the, the use it or lose it ones. Uh, typically at the end of March, if you haven't uh, submitted your reimbursement, you're going to lose that money if your employer allows it. So check with your HR department on this to be sure. But it sounds like we're going to be able to roll forward those amounts into the next year. Did they give a limit how much we can roll forward? I didn't see any limitation in there. So uh, typically you can only put about $3,000 or so in those things anyway. So it might be up to the full amount. Yeah, I'm curious how those will, we'll probably get more guidance as it is, but let's say you had 2000 that you were able to carry forward with that, then reset your full 3000 balance. Mm-hmm. So as you spend it down in 2020, or is it like, oh, you only have a thousand cap? Like usually yeah. it's 500 bucks, use it or lose it. So this will be just one more mm-hmm. weird navigating piece of this crazy ass year. Yeah, that, that one's going to be interesting because they actually um, are going to allow in, in your plan changes as well to 2021 contributions. So normally your open enrollment period is already over and you're stuck, but it sounds like they're going to allow you to make different elections throughout 2021 as well. So we're, we're going to have to see more IRS guidance on actually how that all is going to work. And some of it's going to be up to the employer on how to administer it as well. Oh so. yeah, definitely up to the employer and the dynamics and just as they change stuff, I mean, they can't retroactively change it and say, oh, nope, you're stuck. Like they're going to help you, but I don't know how much help they're actually going to give. Yeah. Two more quick things. So for business owners out there, remember meals, 50% deduction, right? Historically, hey, we're going to get 100% deduction on meals in 2021 and 2022. So trying to help out the restaurants, obviously. It is limited to restaurants. We don't know what that really means. So if you have food that you're getting not from a restaurant, I guess it's not 100% deduction, but we'll have to see what the regulations look like. Go to the deli at Sprouts and I'm like, hey, I want a sandwich. It's five bucks, but I can't apparently do that, but I can go to Subway down the road and get a gross sandwich. Eat fresh, quote unquote. Uh, (laughs) Not sponsored by Subway, by the way. (laughs) We need to work on that. Yeah. I'm good. (laughs) You're making something good. But uh, So let's walk through that really quick. What are those usual meals? How would we phrase that as a legitimate expense? Mm Because I think working from home is very different now. And how do you legitimize a meal expense? Yeah, so typically meals are allowed if you're traveling away from home, which not a lot of people are doing this year. So if you're traveling outside your metro area, that's an easy one. So that should be a deduction uh, when you're away from home. If you are eating locally, there has to be a business purpose for that. So if you're meeting with customers or clients, 
that's all good. You just document who you're eating lunch with, and that's a business deduction. If you're just eating by yourself at your desk at home, eh, yeah, not, not so much. No deduction for that. Lunch, John. <laughs> doesn't count. That doesn't count. The IRS doesn't care about that one. So you do have to have a, a regular business purpose for that. All right. Well, that was super helpful. Is there anything else? I believe you have one more for us. One, one more. So we, if you remember, we had a, a small area of the tax law that changed this year for charitable contributions. So we're going to be allowed to deduct $300, whether we itemize or not. So everybody gets $300. It was limited to $300, whether you're single or married filing joint. For 2021 only, we're going to get up to $600. So if you filed jointly or individuals as well? Yeah, I believe this one is for, that's a good question, actually. I didn't pull that before the call, so I forget if that is just limited to married filing joint or not, but just double check that. Um, How if dare you? 1,500 pages and you can't remember these details? <sighs> I got to the end of that one and yeah, I didn't get all oh, the details. So. <laughs> okay, so let's just, let's go. Disclaimer, we're not 100% certain. But either it's 300 or 600, depending if you're married or, or not. Potentially, it could be 600 if you're single, but odds are it's probably not mm -hmm. how these things work. Cool. Well, is there anything else that we want to maybe touch on just for the community, just so they know really what's going on here before we end this out? Yeah. So just uh, real quickly, since we are almost into tax season, it probably benefits us to just to mention the work that we're doing at Physician Tax Advisors for the community. So we're working with... I believe well over 100 physicians for this upcoming year. Just launched a couple of months ago, but really excited this year to, to be helping that many families out. So we will be starting in mid-January to be working with clients on their 2020 tax filings. And we still have some slots left. So if anyone else is interested, please feel free to come out to the website and book a call. And uh, we can talk about whether we can be of assistance for you for the upcoming year. A little bit too late for tax planning as we head into the end of the year, which we would normally be doing with all of our clients. We're just wrapping up with that now, but still have some room on the tax preparation side to, to help clients out this year. So. Yeah, it's been great. John's our, our co-founder, uh, along with myself and Casey, who I bring on all the time on the show, and she's in our community. We're just really excited to have been able to offer this to the community. And like John said, over 100 people are working with us now. We anticipate that to continue to grow as you're probably going to start paying attention to your tax uh, liabilities come January when everyone's getting their resolutions together. It's, oh, and I have to go do those taxes. But unfortunately and unfortunately, it's fun to work with the team. They've been helping me for five. This is, I think, maybe our sixth year going through, maybe our fifth year. Mm -hmm. Time flies, but the team's helped us on my personal side with, you know, Taylor and my return with the businesses, our payroll, our bookkeeping. The team's been phenomenal. So highly encourage you guys to reach out to Physician Tax Advisors if we can be of any assistance for your tax planning and preparation needs. But John, thanks so much for mm -hmm. coming back on. We always appreciate you. And I know we're we're actually going to get you on the podcast in a couple of weeks here to talk more about what people should be looking for with their tax strategies coming into 2021. But thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. Yep. Thanks for having me. This is for entertainment purposes only. Do not take this as investment advice. My dad is only a fiduciary for his clients. Have a great day. Bye.